Hey there, and welcome to the Leap Podcast. Striving to meet the greatest challenges facing humanity, Leap is a global tech event and a platform for unearthing the minds of some of the most influential people on the planet. Join our conversations as we explore the pivotal role technology has in reshaping our world. Hello, and thank you for tuning in a new episode of One Giant Leap podcast series titled Data for Social Good. I'm your host, Basma Dawas, and I'm joined with our special guest, Richard Benjamins, Chief of AI and Data Strategist from Telefonica, who was Data IQ's top 100 most influential people in data-driven business and has recently written a fantastic book called A Data-Driven Company. He is also co-founder and VP of the Spanish Observatory for the Social and Ethical Impact of AI. It is such a pleasure to have you with us today, Richard. Thank you very much, uh, Basma. It's, I'm happy to be here. Richard, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your new book? Yes, of course. I'm from the Netherlands, but living for many years in Spain. And I've been working, I think, the last 15, 20 years in big data and artificial intelligence from the beginning. And in all that period, I have gathered a significant amount of experience, practical experience of how large organizations are going about uh, to work with uh, big data and artificial intelligence. And I learned that many mistakes are being repeated by many different companies. And there was not too much literature on how to start a data journey in practice. Yeah? So I decided to write that up in the book. And basically, it is structured around five areas, gathering around 21 lessons that uh, large organizations can learn to improve their data journey and their value creation from artificial intelligence. Wonderful. Um, can you give us an example of two of the challenges that companies face on their journey to become data-driven? Yes, of course. So as I said, actually, I identified 21 challenges but if you ask me to focus on just two, I think the first one would be it's about the data that you need to have access to before you actually can start. Yeah? So many organizations think that, uh, okay, I have data in my systems and that is enough to create value. Yeah? But that's not true. It takes a lot of time and effort to get access to the data to make sure it is of quality Sometimes the data sits with vendors, you have to talk to them, uh, you have privacy issues that they have to think of. And so if you look at the standard AI or big data project for organizations that start a journey, about 70 or 80% is spent on the data and only 20% on the analytics and the value creation and, and put into operation. Yeah? So you have to, one of the challenges is to have quality data accessible yeah, when you need it. The second challenge, and that's all the way towards the end of the journey uh, to become data-driven, is related to data democratization. So companies that have learned to deal with data and big data usually have a department. Yeah, it can be a chief data officer, a chief AI officer, chief analytics officer that create data for the business. But if you really want to scale, you have to democratize that capabilities across the company and bring it closer to the business where the value will be created. If you don't do that, you will have a bottleneck in a certain department that has to attend many, many requests from different parts of the business and you have to manage that. Yeah. So it is good to invest in training and bringing that capabilities out to the next layer of employees who can then do the same 
And so you can democratize this capability across an organization. So data science, as you mentioned, it is, it's always been known as it's been utilized you know, as a business tool, but it is also used for the greater good of society, right? So can you tell us more about how data can benefit society as well nowadays? Yes, of course. And actually, that is one of my passions for the last five years. Yeah, Not only create business value from data and artificial intelligence, but also create value for society. Yeah? Now, there are many ways that can be done. Yeah, So there is a lot of publicly uh, data available, like open data. But there's also interesting data and valuable data that sits within companies. Yeah, For instance, we are a, a, telephonica, a telecommunications company, And if we look at the data floating through our network, if we anonymize and aggregate that, actually it is a proxy for human activity. Yeah? And that means that, so it's the proxy in terms of mobility, yeah? mobility patterns yeah. of how populations move around a country, or it's about footfall, yeah? the number of people that are at a certain place yeah? at a certain time. Mm -hmm. And that kind of insights are very helpful for understanding, for instance, the impact of an earthquake, yeah, of a natural disaster. Because in general, people are very, we are very predictive. Yeah, We maybe not like it, but uh, our behavior is very much the same over time. Yeah, So if I detect a certain event like a, a, a natural disaster yeah, or something else that is big, then suddenly that behavior will change and, and that can be spotted and detected in a mobile network. Yeah? So And that kind of deviations of the normal can help humanitarian organizations and governments to understand better where are the victims of such an earthquake, where are people moving to, which is a different uh, way of moving than they usually do. And you can extrapolate it not uh, from natural disasters also to, for instance, forced migrations, yeah, either due to climate change or due, due to international conflicts, where countries have a lot of problems in identifying where are groups of those people going to in order to be able to understand whether they have access to healthcare or access to education. And of course, the, the, the biggest example of today is using big data for the fight against COVID. Yeah? And in that sense, we as Telefonica are sharing today already more than one and a half years mobility data with the European Commission together with 17 other European operators such that the European Commission can better understand the propagation of the virus and also the mobility yeah, patterns and the mobility restrictions that were uh, applied to countries when the crisis was still more active. Yeah? So uh, these are all kinds of examples where data is not so much just to, to, to earn money or to have profits, but really to help further the, uh, for the better of the world. So it's good that you've mentioned COVID. We cannot really ignore, you know, the, the you know, not mentioning, um, you know, the the areas and where, you know, data can really contribute and help with the COVID crisis. But then, were there any um, ethical challenges, um, Richard, during the COVID era about the use of data? Indeed, there there were some challenges, and specifically about. If we speak about data used for COVID, the most uh, ethical challenges were related to privacy 
of data. And then I'm speaking about contact tracing. So, you know, uh, COVID is a, a contagious disease. So uh, contact tracing is very important. And actually what has happened mostly is manual contact tracing. Yeah, If you're positive, then there, you're, there are people who start to call all the people you've met, yeah, who you tell them they've met. And actually, there across the world, there were applications that could help to identify those people using Bluetooth or location, etc. Now, has been huge discussion worldwide about is such kind of use of data, personal data and sensitive data such as location, is it okay to use that for such a pandemic? Yeah. And then uh, different countries have uh, used different strategies and approaches. Like in, in, the, in the eastern part, uh, there were some countries that used uh, location data without asking consent. In Europe, there was no location data, but it was done with Bluetooth to preserve privacy. But overall, the impact of those tools have been very uh, less. Yeah? So even though there were ethical challenges, those challenges yeah, have not really, discussion about those challenges have not really solved the problem through technology. Yeah, I got you. So going back to the corporate world, what are the corporate initiatives nowadays to incorporate data for good? And is it just the nonprofit organizations, the only ones practicing data for good, or are there others as well? It's obvious that the most important organizations that are doing data for good at the moment are humanitarian organizations, yeah, such as the United Nations through their Global Pulse Initiative. UNICEF has a large initiative a group through their innovation activities. So organizations like the World Bank or the Inter-American Development Bank, Bank, uh, World Economic Forum, not all of them are not-for-profit, but most of them are like institution-like that work on those. But there are more and more companies who are moving into this space. For instance, in Telefonica, I founded a department called Big Data for Social Good in 2016 that is still existing and still, still runs. But, but it is true that, that there is actually a, a challenge in uh, bringing those uh, for good projects at, to scale. Yeah? And also, that's my experience. We've done a lot of examples and prototypes and pilots where we actually show yeah, that data can solve problems. Like, as I said before, for earthquakes, for floodings, for landslides, for human, for forced migration, for pandemics... But most of those initiatives, they stop at the, at the pilot level, yeah? Just so it does demonstrate that it can solve problems. But then there is no appetite for investment from whatever organization to turn that pilot into a production system, yeah, that works every day. A large-scale project or something yeah. like that. So that, that is the current state of art. And the example that I give of the COVID data sharing uh, with the European Commission is one of the few that actually is happening on a daily basis. But there the issue is that this is a completely pro bono activity, which means that it's very difficult to sustain over time. It's very difficult to, to dedicate people to it because in the end, companies have a profit objective. Yeah, So mm-hmm. it, it intervenes mm-hmm. with other priorities. Yeah, you, can, you, you can do that for a few months or so, but if it takes uh, almost two years, then yeah, you have to find a sustainable model to make that happen. And that can be either through governments who have appetite to invest. It can be through philanthropists who have huge amounts of money and want to uh, spend that money on making the world a better place. Or it can be done to, let's say, voluntary participations of of large companies. So, but it's it's an unsolved problem how to make that happen at scale. 
Do you think one idea, in your opinion, would be a collaborative effort between governments and the private sectors towards data for good and, and what we've just mentioned? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So public-private partnerships are key to make this happen. Yeah. But they should be fair partnerships and that should be a win-win-win yeah, for everybody. A win for the government, a win for the government, a win for the people who are affected yeah, or who suffer the problem. And... Uh, that that is definitely what what is needed, and I think there are uh, some activities going on, and especially in in Europe, they are now working on what they call a data act, which is a regulation for business to business and business to government data sharing, including the part for good. So that might change things uh, moving forward, but definitely and personally, I believe that a public-private partnership is at the core of the uh, solution. And Richard, basically data and AI are a huge possibility. What are there also drawbacks that we need to take into account? There are drawbacks and they, and they basically have two types of, uh, let's say, faces. Yeah? One is simply the abuse of data or using data to do harm. Yeah? So this is all criminal organizations, phishing, cyber attacks. Yeah? Though those, this is done by, by people who, who have no good intentions. Yeah? And Given that this technology is hard and difficult to learn, but it's much more accessible, for instance, than nuclear arms. Yeah? So anybody, uh, even a very bad person, can go to university, uh, get a degree in data science, yeah? Yeah, and, 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 and do this and use it for, for bad intentions. Now, that's, that's one area of, of concern. And, of course, this is all illegal, but still, it happens a lot. And, uh, well, many governments are, are trying to act against it, but it's a kind of arms race yeah, between the good and the bad. Now, the second part of drawback is that even if there are good intentions and people who want to, to, to reap or seize the opportunity, there still might be some negative consequences, even though they are unintended. Yeah. Now, this is the, for example... Uh, that happened to uh, Google with machine translation, yeah? So there was a lot of gender bias in the translations. If you started with, she is a doctor and he is a nurse, you translated that to a language that doesn't have gender as such, like mm. Turkish, then you translate it back into Eng English, and then you get, he is a doctor and she is a nurse. So you have this stereotype of gender bias in professions uh, coming up all the time, which creates the impression that actually the, the, the translator is kind of discriminating against gender, which is not good. Now, of course, this was not an intended consequence uh, of Google, but it still happened, yeah? and Google had to correct it. Now, those kinds of examples you see in many, many different places, often related to discrimination and bias, unintended discrimination and bias. And it's good that, that those things are revealed, such that companies and organizations understand uh, that they have to work against that. And actually, it's possible to do something about that. Yeah? Then there are other questions like, for instance, what they call explainability. Yeah? This technology is very complex, uh, but if you want to use it for important decisions that affect people's lives, like a medical diagnosis or a, a mortgage, uh, giving a mortgage for, for a house, then you have to be very careful in how that conclusion of the machine is constructed. Yeah? And people need to understand how it has to, how it happened. Otherwise, it's very difficult to accept the conclusion. Yeah? Because in the end, in many of those cases, it's still a human, a person who takes the decision. 
and and of course this person is a professional has to understand what the suggestion is based upon yeah now that's that's another drawback that sometimes we are very good in 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 doing a certain task but we don't understand how the machine is doing it and that limits really at the the potential applicability of this technology and like like this is uh, bias explainability there are certain other areas that still need some more investigation before we get rid of most of the drawbacks. Mm. And what can we do about those drawbacks? If you have a question to that, if you have the answer to that. Yeah, so if you look at the unintended consequences that I just spoke about, there is a growing body of experience and knowledge that can be named like a methodology for the use, the responsible use of AI by design yeah? just like you do privacy by design or security by design so whilst you you buy you develop or you design your ai system for a certain purpose from the beginning think about important things yeah is the data do you have personal data or not does it have sensitive data like race or sexual preferences or political conviction uh, are there proxy variables is the data set representative for the target audience? Now, there are kinds of uh, a number of questions that you can ask yourself. And if the answer is not correct, you can do something about it. And then during the life cycle of developing the product, you can in advance yeah, remove many of those problems for the future. Now, if, if companies had done that in the past, then many of the, the scandals that we've seen in the press would never, would never have appeared. Yeah. But because technology is going so quickly and organizations usually only think about the opportunity and not so much about the risks, yeah? unless, of course, there is a law or regulation, which in this case is not yet in place, then it becomes a risk. But you can do something about it through the use of the responsible use of AI by design. I think this is like an emerging topic as well. And we've noticed that this is becoming like a trend. And I think it's, you know, a lot of people are paying more attention to responsible AI nowadays, you know, seeing the benefits of all of that. And, and yeah, that's a really good, valid point. Richard, you will be speaking at LEAP. Uh, so why don't you tell us more about what you will be presenting on and why is LEAP a must-attend event? I'm very looking forward to, to LEAP, especially yeah, for me. I'm, I'm based in Spain. It's an, an, an interesting travel, and we have done so little travel over the past, uh, past two years. So I think it's a great event, bringing together uh, experts from the region, but also from international areas together yeah, in, in, in a place to share experiences. And I will uh, focus, uh, on the one hand, on this responsible use of artificial intelligence. So actually, what can you do in practice? This is not just saying things, but actually, what can you do on the ground in your organization to make sure that the use of this technology has no intent, unintended consequences or at least as least uh, amount as possible? And secondly, I will also have a workshop, organize a workshop on my new book where organizations can select uh, and discuss about the challenges that they face when they want to create value using big data and AI at scale. Thank you so much for your valuable insights and for joining this podcast. And we really look forward to seeing you in Leap in Riyadh in February. Thank you so much, Richard. You're welcome, Basma. And it was really a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for listening. If there's a topic you're passionate about and want to bring to the table, feel free to send us your suggestions. And don't forget to subscribe to stay tuned for all things LEAP.
Until next time.